everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. to this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. Once again, we are so, so happy that you're with us. We are honored that you are listening to us. We promise that we have some real gems to share today. Sharice and I are gonna go into the top 10 things that we have learned, the most important 10 things that we have learned in hygiene that have been pivotal in our careers, that have been game changers. Um, and some of these are you know, clinical, some of these are mindset-based, some of these are culture-based have to do with the team. It's just across the board, the top 10 uh, most important things that we have learned in our experience thus far. So Sharissa, do you want to kick that off? Absolutely. And I have to say that I'm not sure that these are in sequential order to what I think is most important, but I think these are 10 really important things. And honestly, I'm sharing five and Brittany's sharing five. Mm -hmm. So um, I will kick it off with when patients are saying no to us, they're really saying no to themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's huge because I didn't understand that at the beginning. I think, you know, I came in with a lot of insecurity and no, you know, everyone wants to be liked and oh my gosh, how many patients come to us. And at the top of the appointment, like they sit right down in the chair and they like do this big sigh and they literally say, I hate coming to the dentist. My favorite line back by the way is, Oh great. I'm not the dentist. So we're going to get along. Great. But yeah, like how many patients, like who goes to the grocery store and stands at the checkout and is like, I hate coming here. I hate seeing yeah. you. Like yeah. it's, it's really interesting how that even happens, but that's a lot of people's mentality. And so you already kind of have this like gun shy mentality of, oh my gosh, this person doesn't want to be here. And this person only wants to do with their insurance covers. And what if they don't like me? And what if they say no to me? And then my doctor's going to be like, well, why didn't you enroll that? And there's just like this whole entire, like thing going on in your head. The fear dialogue. Yes, fear dialogue, for sure, that's going on in your head. And you walk away at the end of the day and you are like, oh my gosh, that patient said no, they didn't want to do that. But really, if we boil it down to it, they're saying no to themselves, to their own care. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to separate ourselves from that no. It's not a personal thing. It's not an attack to me to say, well, you didn't do it right. It's Unfortunately, it's them choose making that choice for themselves. So I feel like that's a really important thing is to be able to separate yourself from that mentally and be like, they didn't just turn me down and reject it. That wasn't a rejection to me. That was saying no to themselves. And sometimes understanding that helps you present it in a different way and helps kind of ask some questions to the patient of, you know, well, why would you, why would you not want to do this? Or what do you think, you know, the outcome of this would be if we do it or don't do it. So embracing that mindset really changes how you're interacting with the patient and it helps you feel a lot better by the end of the day because yeah. you're walking out not feeling like you got beat up. Okay, it's personal. Yeah, yeah, it's not a personal attack. Yeah. What, do you, what do you have to say on that front? I, I have a lot of thoughts on that because, um, you know, 
patients come in just like all of us with our own history of unique experiences, our own biases, our own, we've been influenced by our culture. We've been influenced by other people saying, I hate the dentist, you know, and like that becoming like a common thing. Like it is kind of a cultural thing. It's just interesting to me that like people do say that about the dentist, but not about the grocery store right. manager or like, you know, um, but I think that what Teresa said, like it's the nail right on the head. I, I think that something that has been really freeing for me on this topic is just realizing that there's this natural process of elimination when we are our most authentic selves too, you know, because it, this goes back to also, you know, I work in a, um, a practice where there are eight hygienists. So sometimes what it is, is like patients really click with one person, but not another. And it's not necessarily, we're not doing anything wrong. It's just, right. it could be personality. Yeah. It could be the way a communication style, it could be what the person values the most. It could be like, you know, this, we just have more in common kind of thing. They like the way that I communicate or so-and-so communicates. But I do want to say that there is no shame. Like there are a lot of patients who have seen me, didn't click with me and, you know, seen a different provider, clicked with them, wanted to see them and vice versa. You know, a lot of people go to a different provider, come to see me and say, oh, I really want to see you next time. And that's, we can't, it's on the same note. Like we can't take that personally either Correct. because it really boils down to if I'm my most authentic self and I really want what's best for this patient and that's really my come from, there's going to be this natural process of elimination where the patients that belong with me gravitate toward me and the patients that really don't, it might be better with a different provider. No shame in that. No problem with that. We want them to get the very best care and want them to connect with a person on the highest level. Like it's, it's not a personal thing, you know? So the less our ego is involved, the more successful that we will be. I think that's just across Absolutely. the board and accepting that, you know, we're not for everyone. We're not for everyone. Correct. It's, it's okay. Yes. It's yes. okay. Like, uh, you know, if, like everyone's not going to click with me. They might not understand what, how I'm educating them the best. It's, it's all good. Like right. if I can let go of that, we're going to have a much better time. The day's not going to seem like, oh, this was a bad day because Miss Jones didn't say yes to the scaling that she really needs. It's a matter of, you know, people coming in with their biases or past experiences or positive and negative experiences, connecting with them, you know, authentically. And then, like you said, educating them, giving them all the best options, letting them make a choice. But at the end of the day, they still have a choice. Right. These right. are adult people we're working right. with. You know, they do have uh, autonomy and freedom and they can say no. And in some instances, that's also where, you know, we find our A and B patients, like the patients who are like, yes to everything, mm -hmm. B patients who are like, yes to the things that they, you know, value and believe in and, and get. And when we communicate really, really thoroughly according to their needs and their, um, their chief complaints, like they really get it and say yes. Right. And there's the C patients who are like, they want to see their way out of the practice because maybe this isn't the place for them. And right. they don't want the yeah. highest level of yeah. care. Maybe they want a car wash their personal, you know, right. wants, and yeah. that's maybe not us. Right. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that nail on the head, because I think we sometimes will find ourselves, you know, doing back bends and splits to keep patients in the practice when maybe it's really not a good fit yeah. for either one of us. Like yeah. it's okay. We are not meant, you know, it's not a cookie cutter thing. If we're really personalizing who we are. And like you said, being our, our authentic selves as a practice, mm -hmm. you know, for us at Atlanta Dental Spa, we really value complete health dentistry. Yeah. And when you have those patients that are come in and they're just so insurance based and they just want to do what their insurance mm -hmm. covers and they, they don't see that, you know, it's not clicking for them and it's just constant frustration on everybody's part. Yeah. You know, it's okay to say, you know, we might not be the best fit for you, you know, and, and that's okay. And there's a lot of freedom in that. Yeah. And, and of course, that's not the knee jerk. Of course, like Correct. we want to work through Correct. some, of course, we want to work through barriers. Of course, we want to communicate. Of course, we want to ask, 
you know, when Miss Jones says, no, I don't want x-rays today. Well, well, why not Miss Jones? I'm just curious. And then let Miss Jones answer because it may be like, oh, well, the radiation or, oh, the finances or, oh, this, those are barriers that we can overcome and work with Miss yes. Jones on. But we're talking about, you know, in regards to seeing your way out of the practice, we're really talking about patients who are just really not a fit. Like they don't understand the value and we are highly ethical, highly, you know, need to provide the very best care to our patients. When someone puts us in a position where it becomes supervised neglect, that's what we're talking about. Um, but also there are just those instances where maybe a different provider is for them, like within the practice, yeah. maybe it's that personality thing, you know, yeah. but I just think you're so right. One of the most important lessons for me too: stop taking it personally yeah. and just, you know, realize, keep reflecting on our whys and our come from, like, what, why am I doing this for this person? It's because I really care. It's because I do want Miss Jones to have the very best treatment. It's because I don't want her to suffer with Alzheimer's and OSA and like whatever. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to sell you something because it benefits me. I'm trying to sell you well-being. Correct. I'm trying to, yep. you know, translate that into a language that you understand and hope that you accept it. Yep. For sure. Yeah. All right. So Brittany, tell me one of your top five things that you have learned in your profession. So for me, I think like anything else in life, if I think there are times when things are really exciting and really like, oh my God, this has been the best month. And like, yeah. I got so many exciting things going on and we're growing and, you know, so-and-so's doing so well. And, you know, there, there are times when things are really exciting and happening and feel like I'm growing. And then there are other times when I'm a little bit bored. I find, you know, life in a lull kind right, of, right. and it's not an intentional thing. It's just like things happen and you're on, you're on a roll, maybe in my automatic state, not really questioning where I'm going or what I'm doing, not right. focused on anything, kind of, like on autopilot. kind of on autopilot. And I find myself bored. And that's usually when I find myself bored in hygiene as well. It's like, is when I'm just going to work and making the donuts, as Sharissa would say, and just like doing the day from start to finish. And a lot of that can be from positive things because I've built this routine, you know, getting to work at a certain time, prepping my schedule, being hyper prepared for the day, having a system to finish my notes on time, you know, respecting my own time, you know, um, having a lot of uh, background uh, systems in place to make things run smoothly. Those are all really great things. But then if I'm bored, I've got to ask myself, how have I challenged myself lately? How have I grown? What new thing have I learned lately? Or, or sometimes it's a matter of going back to the drawing board and saying, why, you know, reigniting my passion, like, why am I really here? Why did I fall in love with hygiene in the first place? You know, what makes me happy? What makes me happy and, and fulfilled? And, and why is this going to be a sustainable long-term situation for me? Um, so anytime that I feel like, gosh, I'm just so bored with this, like that's, it's not acceptable to stay there, but it's really intentional to get out of there. Correct. You know, and I, I want to add to that. So boredom, yes, for a hundred percent, for sure. Mm -hmm. If we stay in boredom for too long, then we start to find ourselves becoming like apathetic and frustrated yep. and burned out. Yep. And that's when we start, you know, questioning everything of like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And, and it's, you know, it's just like, oh, do I want to keep doing this? And then when we're in that place, obviously our patients are not receiving yeah. the best care. Our yeah. team is not seeing the best side of us. Yep. So yeah, I kind of want to make sure we clump all those words together of boredom, apathy, frustration, burnout. Yeah. So what have you found works for you when you find yourself in that place? Get uncomfortable is usually the first thing. And this is like, for me, just a key in life is like the two most important things in life that I've learned is one, the power of the pause 
which is when, you know, I mean, this is a separate issue, but like emotionally heightened state or something has just happened and I really want to make a decision or a knee-jerk reaction, power of pause before making a big decision. Um, and also just getting uncomfortable asking like, what can I now do? What out of the box, out of my comfort zone thing can I do right now to make this more exciting, to keep the passion alive? Because it's gotta be intentional, just like it has to be in relationships. You know, like we talked about in our first podcast, like long-term relationships, long-term marriage, you have to look back and see what what ignited that fire, you know, like yes. keep the passion alive kind of thing. And uh, a lot of times I, I do just say, okay, what can I learn next? How can I challenge myself next? And that can involve, um, because I'm the lead at the Spirit Act Group, it can involve um, like a whole departmental thing uh, in regards to implementing something new, like quarterly reviews, when we implemented the quarterly reviews, and we'll talk about that in a different podcast, or implementing uh, a new CE protocol, or updating a standard operating procedure, or realizing there's always some way, there's, you know, we're in medicine, we're in healthcare. So this is a constantly evolving yes. field. There is no time when, when we can really just look at it and be like, oh, nothing's happening. Right. There, there isn't a time. There's it's always changing. Something. There's always new research. So if I look hard enough and ask myself the right questions, there will be something that I can do to learn, to grow, to make yes. my life more interesting yes. and prevent that burnout. Yes. And sometimes I think, you know, taking a step back, sometimes it is just, I need a vacation. Right. Like I need to go take time for myself, yeah. come back refreshed. You yeah. know, it, it, it's, it's a good point in time when I find myself bored or anyone finds himself bored to just start asking questions like, why, why am I bored? Like, what, am, what can I do to right. step out of that? Right. And I want to give just a quick little brief example of this and, and not that I'm bored because I am always challenging and growing myself, but we incorporated the iTero into our uh, practice earlier, or I guess later last year. And at first, of course, because it's new, I'm a little unsure. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I want to come across to my patient. Like I got this. So once I got comfortable with the technology and using it, um, then I totally started geeking out on it. And I literally like there was, there was something I learned about how to, how to demonstrate um, occlusal forces and occlusal wear and recession and all of that to actually like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can actually visually show my patient this. Like I can, it's not just me explaining it and then kind of getting it. Like I can yeah. show them. Right. And I got so stupidly excited that I drug it around to different ops and I showed other hygienists. I showed one of my doctors. I'm like, did you know we can do this? And this is incredible. And it totally like made that day super fun. Yes. And now I've got a new tool to use that I'm super excited about. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes it's like not anything major. It's just right. something small. Yeah. that's new and different that keeps it fresh and keeps it alive it's yeah. not just same old same old absolutely yeah. that's a great example too because when you were telling me about the iter i could, like the passion that she just had <laughs> she was even more excited she was like Brittany, did you know you can do this and you can do the, the outcome simulator i'm like i know it's amazing it's great you know it's so great to hear like it, it, it ignites me it makes me excited about right. it too right. you know so that's a, a great thing about talking about these things all right, so I'm going to move on to my second um, learning life lesson in hygiene. Um, and I would say that it occurred to me because, again, when we operate under out of fear, um, we don't, we want to be liked. We don't like to give bad news. That's mm -hmm. not fun for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, but when we don't give the full picture and the full scenario to our patients, um, and, and we're not really educating them on everything we're seeing and thus then not really giving them all of the treatment options that are available to them. 
that we are making that decision for that patient. Yeah. They don't even, if, if we're not laying it all out for them, we have just made a decision for them. And that's not practice. That's, like that's, that's, we don't have that power. That's, that's, not, that's, that's not, in, that is not ethically practicing. Um, but I didn't understand that for a lot of years. You know, I was just kind of stuck in that rut of like doing bloody profies. We're like, oh my gosh, you know, you know, a healthy mouth is not going to bleed. We're not going to see inflammation. We're not going to see redness, but I don't want to tell Mr. Jones that he has an infection. And I, you know, because what if he like gets mad and then he asks me questions and I don't know the answers or what if, you know, he's going to say, well, insurance isn't going to cover that. And how much is that going to be? And that's going to be an uncomfortable financial conversation. Um, you know, once I really understood that not doing my job to its full extent was taking the power away from the patient. And that's what I'm really here for is to serve my patient and help them make the best choices for themselves. And so that seems like a small thing. Like, you know, you hear me say that and you're like, no, that's not a big, it was a big thing. And I think honestly, a lot of us as hygienists across the country kind of fall into that scenario. Like if we're being really honest with ourselves, like how many bloody profies are we doing in a day? Um, And so I think that's just a huge thing to wrap our brains around and ask ourselves, are we really assessing fully showing and sharing with the patient, educating them to full understanding of their condition, and then giving them all of the options um, and being empathetic with them as we're sharing that bad information. You know, like Mr. Jones, I know you don't really want to hear this information. In all honesty, I don't really like sharing it with you, but you come to me because I'm going to take the best care of you. And I can't do that unless you see and understand. Yep, absolutely. And there is no way to a solution without acknowledging the problem, as cliche as it sounds. Um, But yes, I I completely agree with you. I'm trying to think of, uh, I just had a thought on that. Um, Regards to sharing hard information with people. Um, Yeah, I think it's just, you know, they have to be, we have to be the educators. Like there is no way around that. And I think that the other part of that is, um, you know, we maybe, I think hygienists, a lot of hygienists came out of school with, you know, a fire lit under us and we were so excited to get in there and like really use the tools that we were given in school and, and all of the assessment tools and all the standardization tools and all the best practices. And then sometimes we get out and meet a little resistance or a lot of resistance from our teams, um, from our dentists maybe even. And sometimes I think that that is off-putting or really discourages us. And so it's kind of like what we talked about briefly in, in our first podcast is, um, you know, it's really important the collaboration that we have with our dentists you know, and with our team and that we have open and honest communication because we have our own licenses. We are, you know, practice autonomy, autonomously in a lot of ways, right. but we're also under the supervision technically of our dentists, you know? So it's important that if we are taking all the time to do these high level of diagnostics, really do our research, see when the patients do for an FMX comp exam, you know, do the CPE when we're supposed to and educate the patient that we have a really great and strong relationship with our dentists where they come in and collaborate with us and, and verify our findings in right. front of the patient and say, yes, 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 or no, because, or right. thank you for bringing that to my attention. We will, you know, talk about that or, you know, whatever, but it's not completely on the same page. But I think that a part of where it comes from, where, where some of us maybe don't want to share all of the best things that we have in our tool belts or all the things we can do 
for patients is because we have had some pushback from someone on the team and that can be a challenging thing to overcome. Correct. And it's a thing that I think we're going to do a whole episode on because I think it's just a loaded topic, but I know that that's where some of that comes from. Yes. For people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because you're right. It's, it's, a, it's definitely a two-sided, maybe even quad-sided coin <laughs> yeah, that yeah. exists um, because does. yeah, it's, it's, it's a tie. I like that. So you know, you're worried about what your patient's going to think. You're worried about if your doctor's going to support you. Yeah. There's just, there's a whole lot to that, but just being mindful of when I don't say it all, when I don't show it all, when I don't truly assess, assess the situation, I've made that decision for the patient. And that yeah. is, that's not yeah. practice. So. And, and I think we just have to get to the point where we have to ask ourselves the questions like, what do I have to overcome in order to set myself up to be able to present those things and feel Good about it. Like, is it a conversation that we have to have with our dentist? Is it a, is it a CE that I have to take? Is it collaboration with our colleagues? Because for us, a lot of times I know, like just me talking to you about a certain circumstance or situation with a patient is very enlightening and helpful, right? It is like, what did you do in this situation? You know, what can I do next time? Or how do you think I can relay this message better? And there's no shame in that, right? I think it has to be this ongoing thing because every person is unique and all the patients are on their own spectrum of health. There's no one size fits all, as we know, if we are doing our job as clinicians and we are really investigating the medical history, you know, the, their family history, their, you know, current health, their, you know, emotional, what's going on emotionally for them in their world and, and, everything else, you know, clinical findings and diagnostics and all that stuff. So I think that's very important. Yep. For sure. Oh, um, okay. So I guess that I will go to the very next thing. Um, so we've already touched on this a little bit. Am I in my second one here? Yep. Okay. So one of the biggest things for me, and I think is difficult again for A-type personalities is change, change. Um, it's very uncomfortable. And what I have learned is to accept that similar to, you know, going back to the drawing board and make myself uncomfortable putting, you know, getting out of the comfort zone, it's important to accept that change is inevitable. So we need to just get on board with that fact. Just change, embrace it. Just embrace it. Man, I've heard so many people say like, in regards to learning a new thing or flexing a new muscle, you know, bringing a new product on the level, I don't know how to talk about it, about it with a patient or I don't know how to implement it. I'm scared, you know, I, it's not perfect. No, it's not perfect. Like it's going to be messy sometimes. Like, and that's not to say that we shouldn't be prepared or that we shouldn't do what Teresa has done and like practice behind the scenes. There's a lot of prep work that comes with a lot of practice. You know, like when you implemented the iTero, you practiced a yeah. lot. You went to two classes right. to learn how to scan and how to yep. play around with the yep. settings yep. and go to, you know, the, um, the simulator and whatever, you know, to click around right. and the inclusion yep. and stuff. Um, so you did that behind the scenes before you were seeing patients. Right. So that's the prep that we have to do, right? We have a responsibility to do our best yep. when we are in front of patients. The last thing we want to do is be practicing in front of patients, right? We've, we have to be proficient in what we're doing before we work on them, obviously. Um, so that's important, but you kind of practiced your verbiage. You clicked yep. around, you played around, you made your mistakes before you were with patients. And then there was, a, but there's a point in time where it's like, you can't wait to be perfect at it because then you'll never do it. And there's you'll no, never. And there's, and there's no such thing as right. There isn't. And I think patients appreciate, um, being us being authentic with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, so let me just be super, super clear. I've been practicing almost 25 years. I am nowhere near perfect, mm -hmm. but I also realize I am never going to arrive. Yep. I can, I'm going to grow and I'm going to learn and I'm going to stretch and I'm going to make a thousand mistakes along the way. And it's okay to say that to your patient. It's okay to say, Hey, this is new. I don't, 
I, I'm still learning this. So, you know, have a little grace, you know, give me a little room, give yeah. me a little space. Um, you know, patients understand that as people too, that, you know, change is new mm -hmm. and it takes some time to get used to it. Yeah. Um, but change is honestly really where life is at. Like there is yeah. nothing that stays stagnant. And you just talked earlier about like when things get stagnant, that's when we get bored. Yeah. But it's so funny how like we may be bored at something and then some new, you know, technology bumps into the practice and you're like, oh gosh, yes. I don't, I don't want to learn that. I don't want to do that. Um, that discomfort. And, and it's that discomfort, but it's really, it has so much to do with our mindset mm -hmm. toward it. Like if we embrace it and be like, okay, this is, this is a little scary and this is a little going to be a little hard, but I got it. I'm going to yeah. do this. We're right. going to do this as a team. I have support around me. I'm, you know, I'm not walking the tightrope alone. Yeah. And we can, and almost like view it as a new opportunity mm -hmm. to grow and have fun versus like, oh gosh, this is something that's scary and, and bigger than me. Yeah. And, and something that my A-type personality has had to kind of come to terms with is I feel so much freedom in saying, I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to suck at this for a while. <laughs> like I am yeah. not going to be good. It, people can laugh at me. That's okay. Like my... I, what we want is to grow. What I want is to learn that new thing. If I look like a dum-dum on the way, who cares? Yep. Like, and guess what? If we never ask the silly questions, yep. like then yeah. you never know the answer. Yes. So like, you know, I've learned like, I'm going to be the <laughs> idiot in the room. Like, I don't care. I'll ask the questions until I know the answer. I think that's important. That's, that's an ego thing. Yep. You know, that yep. we all struggle with ego. We all struggle with like, I want to look smart. And I don't want anyone to know that I don't know the answer. We will never know the answer if we never ask the question. You'll never be good at something if you don't look dumb at it first and, and have that practice grace period kind of thing. And chances are you're not the only one in the room that has that question. Totally. Totally. You're just the only one brave enough to put yourself <laughs> out there and ask yeah. the question, yeah. which is why Sharice and I are so open about like, if you have a question, there are no stupid questions. We want to know what your questions are. We guarantee that we have probably the same question or have asked the same question at some point. So um, we are really open. We just want everyone to feel welcome and open to collaborating with us and growing. What we really want to come out of this is for everyone to have an opportunity to grow. Um, so change is inevitable in medicine and in dentistry. So when new things come out, you know, our first reaction, our knee-jerk reaction may be, oh my God, a new thing. But that's a good time to question, like, why do I feel like this? Like, am I scared of looking silly? Am I scared of not knowing the answers? Am I scared of whatever? Because that gives us an opportunity to overcome those things. And those are common human things. These aren't unique to hygiene. These are common human things. Like, Am I scared? What do I need to overcome? Who do I need help from? Who can I ask for help? Thanks for investing your time and energy into listening to Bulletproof Hygiene. Remember to click subscribe to join our community of dental professionals that embrace growth and collaboration to better yourself, your patients, and our profession. For more information on our 2021 Live Summit, Bulletproof Hygiene Book, and training opportunities, download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene. Moving on to the top five thing that I have learned or we have learned in our career. And this is one of those things too, that when I say the sentence, it sounds like, well, yeah, of course. But so it's the fact that I make a direct impact on my patient's overall health. With yeah, what I, I'm doing. I, don't, I don't, let me just say, I don't think that that's like an, uh, an obvious thing. I think that that is an aha moment for a lot of hygienists. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it happened for me. Um, you know, I, I talk a whole lot about when, when my eyes were open to the oral systemic connection 
and I'm pretty addicted to it. I will randomly just Google articles on periodontal disease and arthritis, periodontal disease and Alzheimer's, you know, I just, because I'm so fascinated by, you know, understanding that polymorphans gingivalis is such a driver for so many systemic things. Like, did you know that PG, they have directly seen PG be a causative agent in starting arthritis? Causative. Causative. Wow. Not contributor. Wow. Con contributory, which it is also, right, but right. causative. Causative? I didn't know that. Yeah. I just learned something. I didn't know it was causative. Yes, causative. Okay. So, you know, we've got PG, it's an oral microbe swimming around the mouth. We've got inflammation, we've got bleeding. As soon as you have that bleeding, it has access to the full body. They have seen PG go set up in joints and do the same thing that it does orally, wow. where it induces that inflammation in the joint wow. and then starts to deteriorate the bone. So understanding those kind of things for me made it really, really serious for me. And, you know, Brittany and I talk a lot about, you hear us say the phrase bloody prophy a lot, because for me, that just honestly makes my skin crawl. I well, think well, there's no such thing. If it's bloody, it's not prophy. Like we're, right. we're calling it, yeah, if you, if you call it a probe, it doesn't mean you just did a probe, it means you did something else and you just mislabeled it. Correct. Yeah. Agreed. hundred percent. And didn't educate the patient. Yes. Which is a and, it, and it's malpractice yes. and it makes my skin crawl right. because it's not just a, so let's be honest, it's a damper on your practice productivity, but, and the bottom line there, but it's way more impactful on that patient's health. Yeah. Because what if I get a patient who's got that PG swimming around in here? And I go in and I'm like, oh, there is some inflammation and there's a few fours and fives, but I don't want to talk to Mr. Jones about that because last time he was like, I only want to do what my insurance covers. Yeah. So I just, I don't, I don't feel like he wants to do that today. So I'm just going to do a prophy and I'm going to tell him that he needs to brush and floss a little better. And, you know, if we see him in six months and there's still some of this going on, then we'll probably want to do some therapy, but let's just see if we can't get it better. So back to what you said before. Yeah. Like you, there is, um, um, what was your point before this? Sorry. You said. You can't make a decision for them. Right. And you're right. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to tell them that. So I'm going to just go ahead and do all, I'll do a, you know, I'm going to code it out as a prophy, but you know, there's all kinds of bleeding happening because there's active infection going on. Right. So what, what I'm doing, let's be real, real honest is I'm creating bacteremia in your mouth right now. Yep. And who's to yep. say that that PG isn't going to go set up in, in those joints. It is. Yeah. And that's, that's on me. You know, I can tell you story after story of patients who I've been able to treat and it has absolutely changed the quality of their life. I've had patients who have stopped doing hobbies that they love, whether it was golf or sewing wow. or running because they just felt so tired and run down or their joints were hurting from arthritis. And by us doing salivary testing and understanding what's going on, you know, from a bacterial level and really treating that. And then finding the best way to treat perio and maintain that health, they've gone, been able to go back and do what they enjoy doing. And it's brought that life and, yes. you know, that happiness and that joy back to them. You have that aspect. And then you have the aspect of when you're really treating them comprehensively yep. and doing what needs to be done, they actually, their health improves. You know, how many patients have I seen their A1C improve drastically? Absolutely. So I can no longer just kind of sit in the chair and like brush that off and, and play that mental game. Well, I don't want them to say no to me. And they're going to, they might be, you know, they might be, you know, aggressive or they might be, they might tell me no, they like they might, they might be, be resistant. Angry. And yeah. I, I can't, I can't own any of those things for them. Right. I can only do what I know to do ethically, 
evidence base. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you having a microscope can be a game changer when you can actually see the spirochetes just swimming away in there. Yeah. That's a great way for patients to see it and be like, oh my gosh, get that out. What is that? Yeah. Um, but I've seen enough and I've learned enough to where I, uh, the weight that we carry is, is insurmountable. And so that's my message to the world is like, we as hygienists, what we do is so, so important. And so that was, that's just made every change for me professionally. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, back to what I said originally about that, like, I don't think that's just an obvious thing. I think everyone does have that aha moment or, the, or they haven't yet, you know, where it's like, wow, I really have an impact. By the way, I think it's Profi Ramones Jim Cabellas. You might be right. Profi. Because I remember thinking in school, Profi Ramones, and that was wrong. It's Porky. I'm mm -hmm. just telling Porky, but let's well, look it up. Google it. Yeah, I'm really interested in Googling it. Like, just as just the nerdy part of my brain needs yes. to know now. I'm yeah. going to Google it. You go to okay. your next Okay, point. sounds great. Okay, um, my next point is, this is also something that sounds like a small thing, but it hasn't been for me because hygienists are very autonomous. A lot of times working by ourselves in our own operatory all day long. And yes, we're collaborating with assistants and dentists and, and our admin team and the business team and everything. Um, of course we were working on a team, but we were also very like, we work in our own operatory by ourselves a lot of times without our own assistant. Um, so I think that we get in the mindset of, I am, I'm by myself in this game, you know, like I'm, I'm working by myself. I got to figure everything out. And one of the biggest lessons for me, especially working in a practice where we have eight hygienists. And for me, I'm, I feel like it's been such a blessing to have them there with me physically in the practice every single day is that we need each other. Like we absolutely need each other. And I, I feel so, you know, I feel like it's very challenging to work in a practice if you were the sole hygienist. And if you are that person, I highly recommend and really, really encourage you to reach outside of your practice and find a hygiene mentor, find someone who's been doing it longer than you, someone who's interested in growth, um, who can keep you accountable to growth, because it is a game changer to have someone to bounce ideas off of even, you know? Every day in our practice, you know, the way that I have been able to formulate treatment plans and really collaborate with specialists and make determinations about when to refer to the periodontist, when to refer for LANAP, um, when something is within my scope of practice to treat, what is the next best step for the patient has come from asking a ton of questions and collaborating with other hygienists. Yes. Especially when I was new in the practice, I would ask, you know, I have a, a patient with what I thought was a complicated treatment plan or I was on, I was borderline something. I wasn't sure if I should do this versus that. Um, and I would step out of the room, say, you know, kind of, I'd educate the patient to say, I'm going to go collaborate with someone to come up with the best treatment plan. And I think that's the best way to do it if you're not sure kind of yep. thing. But I had the blessing of having a lot of hygienists and still have the blessing of having a lot of hygienists who have a lot more experience than me on my team. Some who have been practicing for 20, yep. 30 years, yep. you know, that I go to and say, Hey, this is the medical history, this is this person's case, this is the home care, this is what this looks like, and blah, blah, blah. Um, what do you think about the next best step in treatment yes. for this person, you know, yes. and picking their brain? Like, I feel that that is so crucial to us growing and to just being okay as hygienists who are, like, very, very in our, like I said before, just in our own lane, right. doing our own thing, yeah. our own op, and yeah. doing that all day long. Yeah. I think we need each other, and not for nothing, but there's even been a that piece of calculus that I need my hygienist yes. to come help me with. Yes. Like, you know, that yes. really stupid one that won't come yes. off during an NSPT. Like, you're like, yes. oh my gosh, I think I furnished this. Can you come help? <laughs> I swear I went to hygiene school. I swear. <laughs> I know. I swear. I know what I'm doing. But yes, yes seriously. And, and number one, this is why we exist as yeah. Bulletproof Hygiene is yeah. because we do need each other. Yeah. 
And I think too, yes, we need each other as hygienists. And I've got a couple of points to make on that, mm-hmm. but not just hygienists. Like I need my treatment coordinator and my, Absolutely. and my, um, yeah, my treatment present presentation help sometimes. And I'm like, Hey, I feel like the patient like wasn't really clicking with me. How would have used, how would you have said this? Absolutely. Or how would you have done this? Because there's so many things that we don't know yet. Um, and that's their specialty. Correct. Yes, 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 yes. Everyone, not everyone is strong in every area. We that's all okay. have different okay. gifts. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to my next point, because I think sometimes we get intimidated and we start, we fall into the comparison trap yes. where it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go ask them because then they're going to think I don't know. And they're going to judge me for that. Or, you know, like, I don't, you know, like, I feel like my doctor's comparing what we're doing. And I just don't know if I can go in and share and talk and, and that like just robs us yeah. when we're comparing because yes. what we need to realize, like I know for our practice, we calculate our numbers every month mm-hmm. and we look at everything from production collection numbers to our reappoint percentage to our actual services that we track, whether it's, you know, we're doing the bell scope or, you know, scaling replaining mm-hmm. or all of that we track. And it's not for comparison purposes of be like, Oh, she's better than, you know, she's yeah. the best right. at this. It's, it's not that it's, Honestly, number one, we got to track it because it's a practice and we're all about growth and, right. and being productive. Right. But number two, it's like, gosh, how did you do that when you telescopes that much? Like, yeah. what are you doing? What are you doing to make that happen? What or, are you doing? Yes, exactly. What versions? Where are you doing that in the appointment time? Yeah. How do you have time to do that? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm struggling to do that. It's really a team collaboration. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we posted on our social media the Mother Teresa quantum. Yes. Uh, quote of you know where I am strong you are yeah, weak and yeah. vice versa like I can do things you cannot you can do things I cannot together yeah. we can do great things Thank yes. Yes. yes so we're, and we're all wired so differently you know and there's certain things I'm never gonna just totally rock at and that's okay and I think Brittany and I are a super super good example of that yeah. because Brittany and I have different strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. Brittany is like I never even understood the concept of really running a super productive hygiene team and what all of that looks like and why standards of operation operating procedures even matter and tracking the numbers why that like that part like I didn't really get that right and I'm so 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 into the the patient part of you know how do you get your verbiage where it needs to be and how do you work the timing out of the appointment so it's super cool for us to work together because there are times where I'm like, Brittany, I don't know how to do this. What are you doing? How do you do this? Yeah. So yes, I agree with you. We absolutely need each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. And I've learned like an immense amount, like obviously we learn and we are very prepared after hygiene school and we learn all the, the necessities, but I think a lot of the real world experience just comes from collaborating with others and like in, on the same like note of, you know, collaborating with um, our treatment plan presenters and uh, the admin team, the business team, like collaborating with our dentists. And right. it's really important that we foster the relationship with our dentists yeah. that we can have open dialogue about treatment planning. Like, hey, this is my this versus this. Um, you know, what's the next best step for this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want me to go to my next? Or I think I'm going to hop to my next, but I, I want to tell you because I Googled it and I looked it up. And you're right. Porphyromonas. Porphyromonas gingivalis. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. Thankfully, I was not a microbiologist, but oh, maybe, maybe I will be someday. There you go, maybe. Um, so that's true. I'm on my, well on my way. All right. So my next um, top 10 is that this is a business. Mm-hmm. It's not a sorority. 
And what do you mean? Well, I feel like a lot of times our feelings get in the way. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You think so drama? I think drama is oh. one of those ugly, ugly beasts that probably lives a little in at least a corner of every practice mm-hmm. if it's not, you know, consuming things. Only the dark corners where yes. you don't shine a light in. Right. Yeah. So, um, I think a lot of times, you know, when we, as hygienists, you know, there's obviously a big push from our doctors and from our admin about produce, 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 produce. That's why we're here. You know, Mm -hmm. so they're always looking at the numbers. We're talking at the numbers in the morning meeting and you kind of feel like you've become a number. And it's important to remember that this is a business Mm -hmm. and it honestly is about the numbers because if the numbers aren't coming in, we can't keep the lights on. We can't keep seeing patients. We can't get the technology. You can't do the hygiene because the doors won't stay open. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes we kind of forget about that part because we're so rushed for time and we're so rushed to get our next patient back. And, you know, everybody's talking to us about the numbers and you got to do more and you got to do better. And we're constantly implementing more. And so that can kind of get a little overwhelming. And then I feel like anytime we're overwhelmed, we are more emotional Mm -hmm. and we tend to take things, you know, maybe not in the way they were intended towards us. Mm -hmm. So we like filter everything through our current emotional state. This is just true across the board in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really important. Like if, if you have a team member that came up and talked to you about something you did that was right, wrong, or indifferent, that instead of turning that into an emotional thing, You've got to like step back and look at the facts and the data of the situation and, and remind yourself like, Hey, I, uh, maybe I didn't do that right. And that's okay. I was rushed for time. How can I do that better next time? And it's not like an emotional attack. And I feel like that's something that we deal with all the time and it, it just ramps itself up. So you just feel like you got personally attacked and now you have three more patients to see. And I don't have enough time to do this. Now your patient is feeling that, that stress and that strain. And it's just, it's, it's a hard thing to do. And I think it's a learning process to do, but to figure out how to separate yourself and be like, you know what? I, I am here to produce for the practice. That's going to happen. Like Brittany said, when I'm ethically assessing and presenting and taking care of my patient, that's all going to work itself out, but it got to take the emotional part out of it. It's not an attack against me personally. And like, you like to say, you know, in regards to presenting information to patients, it's not about shame and blame. Right. Sometimes though, I think that we need to work on our delivery. So right. sometimes it is yep. coming, you know, right. being delivered in an emotional state right. and that makes it more difficult Correct. to receive Correct. emotionally. Correct. So I think that the delivery and the, you know, receiving the information needs to be like, okay, this isn't about us. This is about providing the very best right. care, right. making sure our practices are successful. Um, I think that it's important really to practice in outside of work hours, practicing a solution oriented mindset too, because when it becomes about like, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. You never solve the problem, right? Like, great. We talked the problem to death, but right. like, how did we solve it? You yeah. know? And I think that whenever there's blame involved, like you did this and you did that, it becomes like just this emotional turmoil. It, it really hurts and dampers relationships within the office. But when it's like, Hey, Sharisa, um, I, I really was struggling yesterday. I really expected your support in X, Y, and Z. Um, I know that you didn't support me for whatever reason. I don't know why that was. Maybe you were busy. Next time, could you do X, Y, and Z to help me? Or how can I support you to make sure that this works better next time? Yep. And then we talk about the solution instead of saying, hey, Sharisa, you really suck. Right. Like you did something bad right. and wrong. Right. Right. You know? right. Like, so the delivery and the receiving has to be like unemotional, as right. unemotional as possible. Right. And it's, and it's sometimes, well, I think all the time, it's before you're going to go to another team member, I almost think if you have the exercise of kind of putting yourself in their shoes for a minute, 
Like we all juggle so many dolls throughout the day that likely it wasn't a personal affront to you that they didn't do that. They just had something else going on that's, that's, that was dominating their attention at that moment right. that they had to get to right there. Yeah. And, and there is, we're going to do a whole segment on care fronteation, yes. which is like the questions to ask myself before I have a sweaty back conversation with someone else. If there's really something that's uncomfortable right. that needs to be said, we're going to do a whole segment on that because I think it, it deserves its own episode, honestly. Right. Yeah. Right. So Brittany, let's give, give us your number eight. Number eight is uh, perfection is the enemy of progress, fulfillment, and happiness. And as Teresa has said before, perfection is not a real thing. Perfection is, is not attainable. It doesn't exist anywhere in life. So I think that the more we seek uh, and pursue perfection, the more unhappy we are going to be because we are always going to miss the mark. So I think that thinking that we have to do things perfectly is the enemy of progress. It's the enemy of growth. So it's important for us to just remember no one is perfect. Be the first vulnerability domino and admit that and yes. things will be easier and happier for you. Yes. Yes. And do you want me to jump into my um, number nine? Yeah. Number nine. Go for it. Go Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So number nine is um, implementing new things. This kind of goes hand in hand with one of I mentioned earlier. Implementing new things is always uncomfortable, but worth it. And one of the examples that I have that Teresa can dive into after this, it kind of goes hand in hand with her number 10, um, is when we brought Carrier Protect on board. So as a department, when Ashley and I went to visit you for the first time in, in Atlanta and we got to shadow you and see some of the things that you were doing and the products that you were using, we learned a lot about a product called Carrier Protect, which we are both huge advocates of. We, are, we have seen the changes that it has made in our patients' lives, just an incredible, incredible thing. We'll do a whole episode on that too. Um, but in regards to onboarding that within my practice, it was... Um, uh, as Dr. Craig said, Brittany ate class to get hair check on board. And, and what he means by that is, you know, anytime that we are trying a new thing and it's a practice-wide thing, it can feel really difficult and be really difficult to get others as excited and for them to receive all the information that I have received to really get to the bottom of why this, this is so important to me and for our patients. And it takes a lot of work to relay all that. I know. So I had to do a ton of research. I had to create the whole protocol of how this was going to work in our office when we onboarded it and send it to the dentist, ask all of our dentists, you know, and there are a lot of dentists in my practice, you know, what do you think? What are your concerns about this? What are your thoughts? How do you think this could be a, a problem or a solution? And how is this going to fit with everything else that we do? Um, so that was really uncomfortable. I really put myself out there for that, you know, um, that was right as I was becoming the lead in 2018. So kind of flexing my new lead right. muscles too, you know, um, it helped me to earn a lot of respect with the doctors because yes. it was a new thing and ended up being very successful and they have now seen the changes in the patients, but it took a lot of work, background work, right. you know, yeah. behind the scenes work to yeah. get that to be a consensus. Yes. You right. know, yes, yes. Yes. Consensus. And I think how many times have we as hygienists like gone to a new CE or learned about a new technology and we come back and we're excited about it and we want to give this a go and our doctor's like, eh, I don't know about that. I don't really want to invest in that. I'm not sure how that's going to benefit. And I, you know, I felt that a lot in my early years as a hygienist, you know, you go to take a CE and you're like, oh, that could be so cool. And that's so interesting to me. And then you go back and that gets squelched and you kind of stop being curious after time. Yeah. Um, and I think a way around that, because obviously, you know, we are under the guise of our dentists. They are the ones that are making the investment in, you know, what kind of technology and yeah. what we're doing as a practice. And they, you know, they are the yay or nay on that. So I think if you have something 
you know, that you're wanting to implement or something out there that you're curious about, I almost just encourage you to encourage you to do a lot of research on it. Talk to some other people. I mean, I think bulletproof hygiene is a great way to kind of con connect with some other people and be like, Hey, who in the community is using this? What's been your experience? How do you enroll that? Um, I think that is the best way to then go present it to your doctor and be like, Hey, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I'm interested in. This is, I've talked to some other people in the community. This is their experience with it. This would be the cost investment. This is what we could charge for it. Yeah. This is the time it would take. Mm -hmm. This is what training would look like. I think it's one thing to just come back and be like, oh, I learned this really cool thing. Can we do this? And then be like, information. no, yeah, I right. think you really, and, that, and I know that's a timing thing, but right. I think anytime you're excited about something that you think could truly be a positive benefit to the practice, you got to put a little time in. For it's it. worth eating less, to be honest. Correct. It has been worth correct. it. Correct. Yeah, correct. Sure. And for ourselves. So that, I'm going to piggyback on Brittany's number nine, which was, you know, changes, um, you know, implementing new things is hard, but completely worth it. Mm -hmm. Is, and you kind of alluded a little bit, but for me, honestly, my one of my top 10 things that I've learned in my hygiene career is about Perio Protect. Yep. It has been an absolute game changer for me. And I, mm -hmm want every hygienist in the country to be using it because it's such a smart way at managing those oral microbes mm -hmm. and managing that patient's overall health, especially if there's any kind of systemic issues going on for patients. Yeah. Managing that intermittent and latent aspect, it's managing this chronic disease that impacts so many other avenues of the patient's yeah. life. It is a, it is an amazing, amazing management tool. Amazing. Right. And, and Yes, 100%. And then also, okay. if we are truly being preventative, yeah. like we don't even have to get to that point right. where we're managing because right. we've absolutely prevented it. Absolutely. So Protect is something that we you're going to hear us talk a lot about because we really believe in it. We utilize it. Um, basically, they are medicament trays that you make custom for your patients. You can use Iteroscan or you can take impressions. Um, and Perioprotect makes trays that fit over the teeth and the gums. It literally creates a seal around the gum line. It uses a 1.7% peroxide-based gel to oxygenate below the gum line. Yeah. It targets those anaerobes specifically. Yeah. It leaves the good healthy bacteria alone right where we want it. It gives the patient a way to manage those microbes on a daily level in every nook and cranny. Yep. Um, and it's just, it's, I feel like it's taken our, our patients off the roller coaster Absolutely. of doing SRP or NSVT every couple of years because they're actually managing yes. the microbes. It's arrested. Yes. Yes. It's an elite state. Yeah. So, and, and one thing I just want to say, if you're curious more about PerioProtect, obviously, you know, reach out and we'll, we're happy to talk about it. Um, our summit, it, all of our summit attendees in July in Austin um, are going to become Perio Protect providers yep. just as a byproduct of that's part of one of the things we do. So we'll train on that and we'll help you take all the steps if that's something you're interested in implementing in your practice because that has been an absolute game changer. Absolutely. So you got our top 10. That was that's the best of what we've got. And um, please, please, please send us messages, send us questions, and we will catch you on the next episode. Yes, we're looking forward to it. And don't forget to connect on Mighty Networks. We will continue the conversation and answer any follow-up questions that you have. Thanks so much for listening and for watching. We will see you next time. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hedging Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you. 